Welcome back, everyone, to the 13th episode of the Take the Points podcast. I'm your co-host, Tate Seth, joined as always by Arjun Menon, where we're doing our NFL season preview today. Going to be a big show. Arjun, how are you feeling about this? I'm doing well. Very excited for today's episode. Um, Pretty much only a couple more days from this recording day till real football starts, right? (laughs) You know, we're not big college guys, and uh, the games can sometimes be entertaining, so... Really looking forward to Rams Bills in a couple of days and and being back in Ann Arbor has been great the past two weeks. And while like the first week of school, like syllabus week is kind of boring, there's still a lot of things to do, people to meet. And, you know, we were kind of working on football stuff still throughout the entire week. So I'm uh, really looking forward to a good semester. And um, quickly before we start, I wanted to give a shout out um, to one of our friends. Um, and, you know, we're we're kind of both like South Asians trying to like make a name for ourselves in football. And like, I think we always like when we have like fellow people of diversity, like becoming, getting hired by teams and stuff. So I don't know if she's listening to this podcast or if she listens at all, but I uh, want to shout out Sarah Hugh mm-hmm. for getting hired by the Eagles. You know, one of our mutual friends and uh, it's pretty cool that she's joining another mutual friend, Zach Draft in there. So, um, you know, the Eagles have had one of the best off seasons um, strictly like with players on the field, but have been making some shrewd moves off the field as well to hopefully bolster a pretty strong front office there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very, very excited for Sarah. Uh, you know, I think that's super exciting. And, you know, it's just, it goes back to what we were talking about last week where, you know, you do good work, it becomes public. Uh, she did really well in the big data bowl with, uh, you know, her, her friends at Penn and everything. And like that leads to her, you know, having an internship with the Lions uh, last summer. And then we'll have the season internship with the Eagles this year. So, you know, very, very pumped for her. Um, you know, making making it a lot harder for me to root, you know, so hard for the Lions in week one, but I'm still going to root for them there. But we'll uh, we'll get to that later on. So, you know, this is this is the last episode. That's just us two for a while. Uh, and after that, we'll have members of the Michigan Football Analytics Society on each week during the NFL season to talk about the previous week's games and then preview that specific week's slate. So today we're just going to preview the NFL season as a whole and like kind of the cool way we thought about doing this is we would take turns picking divisions in order from best to worst and then uh you know diving into each division and, and kind of talking about it and at the end of the season we can come back to see like who picked the best divisions according to like a very scientific scoring system yeah. that you know we came up with <laughs> yeah so a scoring system what we'll do is for each team that makes the playoffs from the division we picked um that person will get a, a points total so they'll get points for the total wins of the four teams They'll get five points for making the playoffs, five more points for advancing to, to the divisional round and so on and so forth throughout the playoffs. So I think that's a good scoring system. Do you want to do a snake draft where it's like, I'll pick first, you go two, three, mm-hmm. I'll go four. I think that's fairest instead of, uh, you know, going one, going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. I, yeah. I think, I think that'll work out and uh, we'll, we'll have to come up with something that we put on the line here for yeah. when we, when we uh, yeah. decide at the end of the season. Um but you know you'll be you'll be 21 by that time, so it'll it'll probably be something drinks related. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we'll come up with that throughout the season. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so you know, with all that being said, like, what's what's the first decision division that you would take? Um, I think it's pretty obvious. I think the AFC West has to be the uh, first division. Um, thinking about it, every team has a win total over eight and a half. So you're pretty much thinking of, and three of the teams have win totals of ten and up. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much almost like not guaranteed, but you're looking to close to like 28 to 33 points in that range right off the bat. 
Um, the way I see it, I think the Chargers and Chiefs are have the highest likelihood of the four teams to make the playoffs. I think the Broncos make the playoffs just because, like, I, it's tough because like, I think a lot of it, there's a lot of teams in the AFC on that bubble, but I think they're one of the better teams there. And even though Russ has shown some signs of declining, um, you know, he's still a, a top 10 or t- at least top 12 quarterback. The Chargers and Chiefs last year, both top 10 in EPA per play. Chiefs were, I think, number two. Uh, both pretty much top five, top six passing offenses per EPA or success rate. And the, the thing about the Chargers and Chiefs is most defenses try to limit their explosive plays for mm-hmm. the quarterbacks they had. So they were kind of forced to dink and dunk their way down the field. Um, and I think that's something that uh, that could, will continue this year, and they'll still be pretty good at that. And pretty much every team in the division has a top 12 or top 13 quarterback. So taking this division, you're kind of betting on the upside, which I think three of the four teams have Super Bowl upside. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, value with taking them as the first division. Yeah, no, definitely agree. I think I think that, you know, that would have been who I would have taken first there, too, as well. And I, yeah, I think this division's really interesting because, you know, you have the, the Chiefs and the Chargers who are probably 1A and 1B right there, right? Like I think back to the 2018 season, um, Mahomes' first season as, as a full starter when the Chiefs offense just blew the entire league out, but their defense was so bad that the Chargers were able to have the same amount of wins as them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it came down to a tiebreaker that, you know, ended up ended up going the Chiefs way there for the division. I think this year could be very similar, right? Like the Chiefs offense is is going to be really good as usual. The Chargers offense, you know, finally shoring up you know, the right side of their offensive line a little bit better than they did last year should be able to keep their offense at the same level as it was. And, you know, that's, that's a top five offense and in EPA per play. And I think, you know, the, the chargers defense uh, was going to get better anyways, just because of the way that defense is, is more unstable than offense year to year, but just adding so many pieces with Sebastian Joseph day and Cleo Mack, you know, helping out in the run game first, which is especially what they needed. And then Cleo Mack will help out in the pass rush game as well. And then JC Jackson, uh, when he gets healthy, uh, getting in there and and helping them too. So uh, I think I think those those two teams are definitely like both teams that you know if they won the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Then the year I would be surprised if the Broncos won the Super Bowl, though, right? Like mm-hmm. I think what made the Broncos uh, such a desirable destination at first was that you had four wide receivers between Sutton, Judy, Hamler, and Tim Patrick that would get open if you were in 10 personnel and one of them would be matched up one-on-one, right? But as you lose Tim Patrick and Judy has to take a bigger role and like he hasn't, he's been fine, but he hasn't lived up to his draft status. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just tough for me to get on board with this being an offense that can compete with the, the chiefs and Chargers, And that might be okay because, you know, their defense is, is pretty stacked, but without Vangio, you know, adjusting, and being such a good defensive coordinator like he was, there's just so much uncertainty to me about them. So I do also still see them in the playoffs, but not as not as like bona fide Super Bowl contenders. And, you know, then the Raiders, like, <laughs> like I, I I just feel bad because if they were in, you know, the NFC yeah. North, they would be probably the second best team there. Or the NFC East, they would be probably, you know, the second best team there or whatever. So they get stuck in the AFC. It's going to be tough for them to compete with that offensive line and, and that defense. Yeah. But okay, so so my uh, you know second division that I would take is the NFC West. Um, you know, I I would have it thinking where the Rams, you know, can can definitely make the Super Bowl again. I think they'll do really well in in the uh, the regular season. And everything 
49ers, I like to lean into the variance there, right? Like their floor could be, you know, seven wins, which, which, you know, sometimes happens when you roll out an experienced quarterback, but, you know, everyone has said that Lance has, uh, you know, the potential to maybe win MVP, maybe, you know, take them that next step that they weren't able to get with Jimmy G last year in, in that version of that offense. And then like the Cardinals, like I like to bet on teams that have, the quarterback there already. And we know Kyler Murray is a top 12 quarterback. He's probably become underrated uh, in in a lot of people's eyes because of the recency bias of how he played at the end of the season. But their offensive line isn't good. Uh, Hollywood Brown is better suited as a wide receiver too. So those first six weeks are going to be tough for them, for them to come back. And I, you know, I, I always get on Steve Kime for drafting two off ball linebackers with high picks, uh, in, you know, back-to-back years that both didn't pan out. Uh, you know, I, I'll have to, you know, bite the bullet on however many wins the Seahawks gets this year. Uh, but, you know, the the other three teams, I think, could all be playoff teams. And then the Rams, I think, could could go back to the Super Bowl if if things work out. Yeah, nothing on the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, like, the Seahawks, to me, is, like, I do think there is a shift in, like, the way that they're approaching this season. Yep because of like trading away Russ Wilson, right? Like they, they were the most heavy cover three team in the league for years. Last year, they started playing more quarters. They hired, you know, our guy, Sean Desai, yeah. who has, uh, you know, two high roots. They didn't reach on any of their draft picks really this year, except for the Kenneth Walker one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they hired like two analytics staffers recently. So there seems to be something changing in the, in the Seahawks building right now. It'll just take a couple of years for it to actually come to fruition. Yeah. So first of all, I would have made um, NFC West my second pick. Also, uh, I think I think Mike Sando had a good tweet about it. Like, or or no, it was um, Michael Sean Duger, who's mm-hmm. like the Seahawks athletic writer. He was saying like the disparity between how the Seahawks think about themselves versus the rest of the league is like really big because hmm. the rest of the league thought they were the second worst team in the NFC. The Seahawks believe they're like top eight or top nine or something. Oh wow! Um, based on what he's hearing, so. It's interesting. And, you know, going back to the NFC West in general, I said Rams and 49ers make the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, both of those teams are uh, not plus money to make the playoff or they're plus money to miss. So they're more have a higher than 50 percent chance mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. Um, I think Rams probably take this, but there's definitely a chance with how much variance Trey Lance invites that they could just the Niners just could go like 13 and four or 12 and five and, and kind of like run away with this division. But I, I do get a little bit worried about some of the depth of the Niners. Um, their interior offensive line did not good, look good in the preseason. And I guess the the upside to having a Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey to like very able tackles, um, you don't have to help them out one-on-one. So the interior can kind of just like help themselves and you're kind of leaving the tackles on islands. Um, and, you know, you can be in most likely good hands. And with the weapons the Niners have, I'm not really too uh, – I wouldn't be, like, too worried about Trey Lance's accuracy. I think we had a long discussion about this the other day. But I think, you know, the way Shanahan schemes open his receivers, I think even if Lance is a little bit inaccurate, there'll still be a lot of more open receivers. And I think the explosive explosiveness of the Niners is going to come through the air rather than yak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. I think there's going to be a fundamental shift in the way that Shanahan runs his offense this year now that he has a quarterback with more arm talent and kind of opens up the playbook a little bit more. And I, I like your point about the Cardinals because I my like notes on them was like they can maybe make the playoffs, but 
they have the ability to make it deep in the playoffs because they'll most likely have DeAndre Hopkins back barring some type of injury. And they have the type of elite quarterback that will has shown to be an MVP type guy throughout like stretches of the year. So if he gets mm-hmm. hot for three or four games, I mean, we're talking about a team that, you know, could make a Super Bowl run mm-hmm. if everything falls in place. And um, again, a, a pretty top heavy team, especially on defense. Vance Joseph, I think, is overachieved with some of the pieces he has on that defense. Um, but this could maybe be the year there that, you know, he kind of struggles a little bit, which which will happen after you lose a guy like Chandler Jones uh, to free agency and um, overall just like the corners and aren't aren't the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And yeah, I think I think that's like a really good point about Kyler Murray is like, let's say like, you know, you put Kyler Murray and like someone like a Matt Ryan in the same tier of quarterbacks, you know, which based on the projections on Matt Ryan this year, you know, that's, I think that that could be pretty reasonable given the offense he's in, but Matt Ryan is very consistent, right? Like, like, or at least recently, right? Like he had, he had the MVP high, but it was years ago. So recently he's, he's been consistently good, but not great. And then Kyler Murray has been really, really good for stretches of time, really bad for stretches of time. But yeah, like if, if you have a quarterback that gets hot, for four games in the playoffs, you know, you're ending up in a Super Bowl and you're you're competing for them. That's what we saw with the Rams last year when Stafford was going through his ups and downs. He got he got hot in the playoffs. Um, you know, I went down like a rabbit hole the other day about the Eagles Super Bowl run and Nick Foles was just unconscious yeah. like throughout the whole playoffs. Right. So it was it was just like the combination of of all those things is is like kind of what you need to to make the playoffs. So you know the, the 49ers have been talked a lot about being high variance this year, but the Cardinals are are pretty high variance as well too, so I'm I'm curious to see which side that kind of falls on. Yeah. So who's your who's your third pick going to be? Then? Yeah. So then to start off the the second round, uh, the AFC North would be the third division I would take off the board, right? So, you know, you you have the Ravens where, uh, you know, they just like so I was, I was kind of doing some research for this and I was kind of seeing okay, so if everything went wrong for the Ravens and you know which kind of happened last year where offensive line was all banged up all like four starting running backs got injured um you know and and all this type of stuff is happening they still had the 14th ranked offense for the first eight games of, of 2021 when Lamar was like basically fully healthy right and then yeah. he started to get sick and injured and but then he also gives them the ceiling of the best offense in the NFL if he goes off as a passer which was the entire 2019 season uh until until the playoffs so I just think like that like ability is like something that him and like, you know, four or five other quarterbacks have in the league. So I think that's like really special. And I think, you know, on defense, uh, Mike McDonald is, is, you know, great guy. He's a great leader. Uh, they're going to lean into a lot of the three safety stuff. That's why you take Kyle Hamilton. Um, I think, I think they're going to do a lot of cool stuff there with that. And then, uh, you know, there's, there's the only knock on the Ravens is probably their pass catching weapons. And, you know, if, if Bateman takes the next step and Isaiah likely is as good as he's looked in the yeah. in the preseason, uh, then then you're you're really getting a, a good team from there. And then you know you you have the Bengals where the Bengals hate you know has probably gone a little too far this offseason. Yeah. Uh, like it did with with like the the Steelers last year. I, I think back to that when like people were talking about them as like a six win team and they're actually just a good team. Uh, they just weren't like they just happened to overperform the year before, and like. T Higgins and Jamar Chase are like probably the best wide receiver duo in the league right now. 
Um, you know, next gen stats has catch rate over expected and yak over expected, and they both rank top 10 in those stats, which is just crazy. And you, you know, add on the separation ability chase has, uh, when, when he's running routes and everything, and it's, it's, it's just crazy. Brown's like, as you know, if they can get through the Jacoby Brissett, you know, and, and come out like 500 or right around there. And once Deshaun gets in there, you know, it's hard to like fully project what he's going to be like. But the last time we saw him play football, he was playing quarterback at a top five level. Yeah. So maybe if they can sneak into the playoffs, he can, can go good. And they could have the best pass defense in in the NFL this year if things work out right. Miles Garrett is probably the best edge in the NFL right now. Uh, Jeremiah Wusakoromora is a stud. Denzel Ward is a top 10 corner. Newsom is going to get another year of experience under his belt. And John Johnson is is a pretty good safety too. So uh, and then I got the Steelers, like I'm never going to count Mike exactly. Tomlin out. So yeah. that's why they're, they're, the, they're the third division I would take. Yeah, that, that was my third division as well. Um, I, I don't really think I need to add anything about the Ravens. Uh, we've both been kind of like big backers of the Ravens. Not going to be as injured this year. Um, and I really like how, you know, you kind of went in depth with the floor and ceiling of the Ravens. And I do agree with both of those points. Um, I... I, I'm kind of going to talk a little bit about the Bengals and it, it's kind of like without making it like too much of a rant, I think it's a good segue into like understanding like us evolving as like analysts and like gaining kind of like a d- dynamic updating process rather than like static. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I bet the Raven or when I bet the Bengals to miss the playoffs plus 125 in April, there were a couple of things like obviously I had my reasons. I still stand by those reasons. Um, you know, I thought they were going to have some deep ball regression at the time. They already made all their O-line signings. So, like I kind of knew that, you know, they were probably going to be a little more successful. Like their success rate will go up, but their EPA might stay the same or slightly marginally increase. Um, I don't think their offensive line signings are as like grand as like people make it out to be. So like Alex Kappa is coming from the Bucks, where like every offensive lineman that plays with Tom Brady plays at like their peak. Mm-hmm. So the Bengals are buying his peak. And I think he regresses a little bit, mm-hmm. to be honest. Ted Karras is coming from the Skarnecchia system, which like just produces elite offensive linemen. We saw what happened with Trent Brown when he when he left mm-hmm. um, New England, right? And I, I could see the same thing happening with Ted Karras. And then Lyle Collins hasn't played a full season since 2016, right? So there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, with this offensive line. Um, but in general, I'm it's kind of like hedging, but... I do think the Bengals make the playoffs and we talked a little bit about it, but when I also, when I also made the bet, the Bengals were scheduled to play the Cowboys and the Titans two f- number one seats from last year, the Cowboys lo- lost their left tackle one, the receiver one, their edge 2.5, their right tackle one now. And so they've lost all these pieces. It's kind of a top heavy roster. Dak's great. CD's great. Parsons is amazing. Lawrence is amazing, but there's not a ton of things going their way right now. And they play them in week two. And somehow I think the Bengals should be favored, but they're not. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I actually think the Bengals will take that game. And then the Titans, again, when I made the bet, they had A.J. Brown and they had Harold Landry. They don't have any of those guys anymore who are pretty much the leaders of both mm-hmm. of those sides of the ball. And we'll talk about the Titans later, but it, the A.J. Brown loss, I think, is, is pretty big. So I think the Bengals make the playoffs now. Their schedule isn't as bad as it once seemed. I really like your point about the Browns. I, I said if the Browns can get to week 13, like six and five, I think they'll make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Watson is good. I think when you did your bootstrapping, you had Lamar had the highest, like, mean. Mm-hmm. Then it was uh, Watson. Then it was Burrow, right? And then it was whoever the hell the Steelers are going to start. 
Because I think the Browns get to six and five. If they make the playoffs, they have the quarterback mm-hmm. to make it far. So like you have a lot of upside with that with this division. The Bengals have already made the Super Bowl, and if they get back to the playoffs, um, Burrow can take them again to the Super Bowl on a repeat deal. Watson can do the same. So I uh, really like that division as well. Yeah, no, I know. I think those are those are really good points. And yeah, the, the thing about the, the Bengals is it's just kind of like throughout the gut reaction immediately after the season was the least injured team in the league got to play the teams that were the most injured yeah. at the time that they were the most injured. Um, you know, we're, we're really big on just all the free agent defenders that they signed, you know, performed well and the explosive plays and everything. So the Bengals might be a better team in, you know, 2022 than they were in 2021. And like, I think we both think that they will be, but just because of those things regressing back was the initial reaction was, Oh, like they might not be one of the top teams in the AFC, which they probably aren't, but expanded playoffs having seven teams. And like their schedule getting easier than what it looked like in, in April is, I think, like yeah, the reason why I would also put them in the playoffs right now. Um, and then yeah, about the about the Browns, like I think, I think their offense is going to look really different with Brissett and Watson. And you know, when you're game planning as a defensive coordinator, tendencies and personnel and uh, you know just like play types are so crucial for that. Mm-hmm. So just having a new quarterback that's going to be like a pretty big upgrade come in in the middle of the season is going to be tough for uh, defensive coordinators to get a good feel of what this offense is going to be. It might take weeks for them to figure it out. So, you know, I think, I think that there, there, there's like, there's opportunity for them to make a run in the playoffs there as well. But um, yeah, let's see, let's see who the the next division you're taking is. Yeah. So I'm taking the AFC East. Um, And this is kind of like just take betting on the upside of the bills. Um, I, I, I think they're the probably only team from this division that makes the playoffs, but I do think they have, I mean, even Vegas thinks that the highest odds to win or at least make the Super Bowl. Um, Bill is pretty much a top five offensive and defensive unit mm-hmm. last year. I think they'll start off being a top five offensive unit. And once Tredavious White comes back, they'll eventually be top five or at, at the worst, like top 12, which, you know, as long as you have a top five offense and your defense isn't like uh bottom eight you'll make the playoffs mm-hmm. so the bills are going to win this division easily the patriots got worse this offseason the dolphins got like slightly better i guess um i just have questions about two things with the dolphins it's number one like we don't know really i think we can agree that two is not going to be anything special he could be average which is good for the dolphins but um one thing i was looking at is in 2021 Tua had the highest rate of turnover worthy plays in the NFL, Jimmy G was second. So Mike McDaniel is going from a quarterback who put the ball in harm's way a lot last year and is do, is going to the quarterback who did it more often. And so with how much, you know, you throw the ball over the middle in the Shanahan type scheme, you know, Tua, while he can be very accurate, has shown he's not a great decision maker. So I don't really know, like, what this offense is going to look like. I'm betting against it that they'll – I don't think they'll succeed that well. Mm-hmm. And they're already losing Byron Jones to the for the four, first four games to the uh, physically unable to perform list. So I think they could see some defensive regression, especially when you lose such a good mo- defensive mind like Brian Flores, who's probably the best uh, Belichick tree coach mm-hmm. that has come out in a while. So don't really, don't really know about the Dolphins and you know the Patriots. This might this roster is not good at all. The corners are probably like the worst bill belichick has had in his coaching tenure 
But again, you just like we talked about with the Steelers, you can't count Bill Belichick out. And I know there's a lot of sharp people on there under. I just like I can't can't count Bill Belichick out. We know he has a plan. Like he's I want you to tell the story that you read to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um because <laughs> I, I don't really have much other us much else to say about the Patriots. Mac Jones, I think, is just gonna be a league average quarterback, mm-hmm. maybe like top 13 in EPA, but um, with the Patriots are kind of betting on the roster being so bad that Belichick can't overcome it, or you're betting on Bill Belichick, which it's it's kind of a touchy subject. But let's I want to I want you to tell the story first, and then um, go into like your AFC East stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's here's how you know Bill Belichick plays chess while the rest of the league is still figuring out the rules for checkers, right? So what he did with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge is he labeled them as like offensive analysts or whatever, didn't assign anyone to offensive coordinator. And so what this is for is in their contracts that Patricia signed with the Lions and Judge signed with the Giants. Like there's typically something that's standard in there that says, you know, if you get fired early in your contract and you become a coordinator somewhere else, like we don't have to pay you. Like you're you're being paid enough as a coordinator, right? But if you get hired somewhere and you're not a coordinator and you're like an analyst or something, we'll have to pay out the rest of your contracts. So like Matt Patricia had like a six-year contract with the Lions, got fired after two and a half years. So Belichick making him the an offensive analyst means that he'll have to, the Lions will keep having to pay the rest of his contract as long as he's on the staff. And what it does is we know how much Belichick hates talking to the media yeah. and how he thinks it's a waste of time and nothing good comes out of it. When you don't have a designated coordinator, you don't have they don't have to talk to the the media every week like you know designated yeah. coordinators do so he's he has you know Patricia and judge granted their offense probably won't be that good because they're defense defense and special teams minded and they weren't good at you know as head coaches but just like he wanted them to be on the offensive staff and he knew not to label them one of them as an offensive coordinator to get these two advantages which which I think is fun and it it kind of just leads into like the way he's approaching the season like I still have the Patriots ahead of the Dolphins in my power rankings, even though the Dolphins roster is probably better because I think, you know, Belichick has built this team for the new NFL and like he's loaded up on safeties, which, you know, it's so important right now to be able to take a linebacker off the field and replace it with a safety that can play in the box. And so you have that with Kyle Duggar, who, you know, is, I think could be one of the most impactful defensive players in the league this year based on his talent and how the Patriots are going to use him. And then, you know, you also have McCourty and Phillips uh, who will be in a lot of three safety sets, I think, which will be really interesting in a Belichick defense. And then Peppers can also fill in too. Uh, You know, we know that, you know, he hasn't panned out in the NFL, but we know how talented he is. On the other side of the ball, there's no like number one, you know, true like X receiving option for the Patriots, but there's so many good options that can beat these two high structures that teams are going to be playing, right? With Devontae Parker is, you know, one of the best contested catchers in the league, even if the separation isn't there. Kendrick Bourne, you know, had really good connection with Mac Jones last season. Uh, Jacoby Myers, you know, played well. Uh, Hunter Henry played well too. And then maybe like Aguilar or Johnny Smith take the next step for them too. So, and then Mac, you know, Mac Jones also for most of the season last year, like people are forgetting the Patriots were, eight and three in the number one seed in the AFC at one point last year. And they had just come off, you know, rolling over the Titans, beating them by like 20 points on the road. Uh, And, and, you know, things kind of didn't go their way for the rest of the season after that. But like 
that's how good of a job Belichick did as a coach last year. So, you know, I, I think he has it in him to do it again. Um, and so I, I think, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see, you know, where, where, uh, he like kind of gets the, 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 uh, scheme that makes up for the lack of talent that they have this year. Yeah. All right. So my next pick is going to be the NFC East. Um, so I think Cowboys and Eagles make the playoffs when I'm like doing my NFC uh, playoff rank. I have the Cowboys and Eagles in there. Um, I said Washington could make the playoffs. And then I don't know. I, I'm not really too high on the Giants this year. I know there's people who kind of like like the Giants variance with how much Dable is going to throw. But I mean, I, Daniel Jones, like he hasn't shown any season to be a, a league average quarterback. And that's like kind of all you need to be on a rookie deal. But he hasn't even done that so far. And while he hasn't had the best supporting uh, supporting system, whether it's his coaching staff or his weapons, I still don't think he's like that great of a quarterback. Um, and with the Giants also, like they have the potential to be one of the worst secondaries in the NFL outside of Adore Jackson and Xavier McKinney. They kind of have three weak links at mm-hmm. the outside corner, nickel and other uh, safety position. Their pass rush is like, okay, but like Ojalari and Thibodeau are already hurt. And so, like, I they really don't have a ton of options there. And, you know, Galladay isn't that great. So I, I don't really see much with the Giants. Um, I know our friends, Brad Spielberg and Eric Eager, like the the Red, uh, the, the Red, not Redskins, the Commanders. But it's like, I, I just, like, don't understand why, as a public, we're all, like, in favor of these teams with, like, not-so-great quarterbacks. And, like, I think the thing with the the – commanders you're kind of betting on is like Wentz is like at least league average and because their offensive line is really good they're not going to like need to put Wentz in these like big expected pass situations because remember Antonio Gibson was the worst running back in the league last year one of the worst at uh yards per carry on a perfectly blocked runs Mm -hmm. and they had the, the the commanders had a lot of those type of runs so if they get someone like Jared Patterson or uh Patterson or Patterson one of those two or another running back who's able to take advantage of those perfectly blocked runs, then they're going to be in a lot of like second and twos or third and twos where once it's not going to be a lot of deep developing plays, it's going to be one read things. And he has some very, very talented receivers to throw to. So I think the commanders could make some noise, but again, I don't think Wentz is that great. And, you know, this defense last year was pretty bad. And even though there's, there could be some positive variance for them, especially on third downs where I think they're, Third down conversion, a lot overexpected, was like the worst in the NFL. Maybe uh, right above the Chargers, um, they'll be all right. But with this pick, it's pretty much betting on the Eagles and Cowboys. But the reason I had them as my fifth like team that I would pick is because uh, the Eagles, like their upside with Jalen Hurts, isn't that big, and the Cowboys, like I just don't think they have depth at all. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is like you can have an elite receiving. Uh, you can have an elite wide receiver one to make the playoffs. The Packers have done it every year, but once you make the playoffs, you need the depth. You need the secondary receivers because mm-hmm. good defensive coordinators will scheme to shadow or double your wide receiver one and beat, make your wide receiver two beat you, which I don't know if Gallup is that guy anymore after the ACL surgery. Uh, I know there's a lot of hype around that Turpin guy from the USFL or uh, Jalen Tolbert, but like they're rookies, they're young guys. Like we don't really know how they're going to produce. So um, that's why I have the NFC East as number five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, good reasoning. All those. And so, do you know, like, when like when like a two people or like guy and girl, you know, start like they have a new relationship, 
they like debate like doing like a soft launch or like a hard launch where it's like oh like if I do a hard launch it's like a full-on Instagram post of like you know me and me in this relationship and then if it's like a soft launch it's like oh like it might just be like us like holding hands like no face like on like my Instagram story or something Mm -hmm. I think the Cowboys are kind of doing that with a rebuild this year I think they're doing like a soft rebuild where it's like a it's like retuning or like whatever term you want to use for it but you know by like by trading away Amari Cooper and you know just like not like not just adding anything in in into their their team this year and like not like getting any like major offseason additions it seems like they're just kind of doing like a like a soft like tune up this year right and like you know it probably like they because of like some of the moves that they made they'll be better set up for you know two years down the road now yeah but like it, it doesn't seem like their year to to really like compete and be like Super Bowl contenders like they were you know at the first half of last season yeah um they they probably will still be a playoff team because the NFC is that weak but it, it just seems like that like a lot of the moves they're making and meanwhile you have the Eagles who are doing everything they can to be Super Bowl contenders this year and I think they've put themselves in a good position. Every hole that they had on the roster last year, and last year they were, you know, a borderline playoff team that ended up getting in, um, but they were about like an eight, nine win team. You know, based on adding A.J. Brown, which is so important in the receiver room because it moves everyone down a slot, right? So Devontae Smith goes from being the number one receiving option, number two, which was a perfect role for him. Yeah. Dallas Goddard goes from number two to number three, which is a great role for, you know, some, a tight end uh, that's like borderline top 10, like he is. And like, that's just so crucial. On the other end, just adding Jordan Davis in, you know, kind of like an aging uh, defensive tackle room is so crucial because, you know, you can really show up that run defense, you know, based on the type of player that he is. And he's just like a force multiplier. He makes the linebackers jobs easier. He allows you to, you know, play a little lighter if you have to yeah. on the back end. And then the back end added N'Kobe Dean, who they said would have injury concerns, but has been playing in the preseason and has, you know, has looked fine. And, uh, and had James Bradbury opposite of Darius Slay, um, traded for CJ Gardner Johnson, uh, you know, and they also added Hassan Reddick on the defensive line. Like it's just been like a tremendous offseason by the Eagles and like just totally the opposite of the Cowboys. The Cowboys have lost, you know, like a win, win and a half worth of players. Yeah. Eagles have added a win, win and a half worth of players. So I think like that's why I would take the Eagles to win this division. Commanders, you just have to lean into the variance. Yeah, it's gonna be a roller coaster. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't know like if if you were like betting the commanders. You know, it would be. I think it would be better to take them as a division long shot than it would to just be take their over win total. Yeah. Because chances are, the variance will go in both directions this year, and it'll they'll be properly priced on the win total market. Mm-hmm. But if if it goes like you know very poorly, then like that's fine. But if it goes really well, that's like they could win the division. You know, based on you know if if other things break their way. Um, and then uh, you know on the on the Giants, like you know, I think they're they're pretty consensus last place team this year i i trust you know the front office and their management a lot in the future but yeah. this season is, is going to be pretty ugly uh for them you know on both sides of the ball i think yeah and, and real quick before you make your pick like i the giants are weird because people like they're over but they like they've shown this offseason they're kind of like thinking about the future mm-hmm. they didn't really make any big splashy moves in free agency despite you know i think dave gettleman kind of spent all their money uh last year but they cut Blake Martinez, who was their starting middle linebacker, 
right? Like there, there's no indication that they're like pushing the chips all in for Daniel Jones. This is like, I feel like just like an evaluation year for Jones. And like, they don't really care if they're win or lose. They just want to find out if Jones is worth investing in. Mm -hmm. And with, with like the Eagles last year, they were top three rushing attack that, I mean, I think they're going to stay a top five rushing attack as long as Jalen Hurts is healthy and they have probably the, the best or second or third best offense line in the league. Now you can improve your overall EPA by potentially passing more. We have heard from people, you know, Nick Sirianni's more of a pass first than run mm -hmm. first guy. He wants to have like a 65-35 pass run split or something in that area. And so you go out and get AJ Brown, who allows you to, number one, throw the ball over the middle more, which is something that Jalen Hurts couldn't do because the receivers sucked last year. And two, just overall throw the ball more because you have more guys and more, you know, receiving options on a per play basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that. I think. I think it'll there'll be a pretty big shift in the Eagles offense because they had to make their new offense on the fly last yeah. year when they figured out like, oh, like this is not going to work to be passing so much. Like this is not what Hertz is suited for. You give them a full offseason to work with AJ Brown and to, you know, have the best offensive line in the league. Uh, you know, just do some some crazy stuff. You add Cam Jurgens uh, as as center there and everything. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty crazy. I'm I'm very excited to see what they do. Um, okay, so the next division that I'm going to take is the NFC North. Uh, and so, you know, what this comes down to is I think the Packers, you know, it's, it's it like goes back to kind of like the money ball thing where it's like you're not going to straight up replace Devontae Adams as a player, right? But can you get to using the resources that you got from the trade or because, you know, you saved on a ton of salary cap from him leaving? can you get to the level of impact that Devontae Adams had for your team? Probably not because he's the best receiver in football, but at least like they've gone in a different direction for this type of stuff. Right. So, you know, they, they're really going to lean into, I think, you know, pony 2021 personnel sets this year with, with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon just churns out, you know, the amount of yards that is blocked for him on basically every single play, right? He was the best running back in the league last year at avoiding bad run rate, according to rushing yards over expected, but ranked 37th out of 43 rushers in explosive run rate. So, you know, you use him as a rusher, use Aaron Jones in motion uh, in the screen game as a receiver. You can start to see where the value gets added back there. And then on the other side of things, you know, getting Devontae Wyatt, um, who I think could be, you know, pretty crucial for them. And then just Quay Walker, like, just like, another just like you know pterodactyl getting added to their defense I love that term. yeah <laughs> is is like kind of where you know i could see them like maybe having the best defense in the nfl because of that vikings is a team i'm a lot higher on than most i think their offense could be you know very good uh because justin jefferson is that guy kevin o'connell is going to make so many things easier for him you know just like instead of being matched up on the number one corner all the time, which is the toughest thing to do as an outside receiver in football, you know, he could be used in the backfield. Like we talked about with Sean Syed from side schemes uh, a couple weeks ago, he could be used in the slot getting matched up on linebackers. It's going to be really fun to watch. Lions are going to have a fine offense. I think their defense is going to be really bad, but you know, we've seen teams with good offenses, bad defenses, do well because of how much more important offense is than defense now. Yeah. So that, that could help there. The bears like, you know, fields could play well and it wouldn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I hope they're able to get, you know, a good gauge of fields this year, 
but they're not a team I'm counting on giving me a lot of points uh, when I when I take the NFC North as a division. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and like with with the Bears, like you know, we have you know our we have friends who are fans of the Bears, and like we know people who inside the building and stuff. Like it's I think people inside the building also know like this isn't the year that they're probably going to compete. You don't compete letting Khalil Mack or trading Khalil Mack away. You don't compete by letting a Akeem Hicks walk and pretty much not even adding any weapons to Justin mm-hmm. Fields, right? And it's like people will say, like, you know, the, the Bears aren't really helping Fields. Well, you know, they have to make a lot of moves to create cap space and stuff. And like next year, they have like damn near 110 million mm-hmm. where you just you make that push. And yeah. again, this is an evaluation period for Fields. Like, I think his EPA is going to suffer a lot because he doesn't have the weapons, but that's why you have like, film-based metrics like pff grade or like i'm sure like nate tyson like robert mays like those kind of people will talk about justin fields a lot so well we can have like some type of evaluation that is in staff space which i think is important um i like your point about moneyball i think you know one of my favorite coaches like insanity is like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a a different result i'm uh, the playoffs is such a weird thing because it 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 really is just a, a one game sample size and like I know the Packers like playoff success with Aaron Rodgers hasn't been great, especially the past three years with Devontae. Um, but they they've won 13 games with Devontae, but because of his the over reliance on him as a primary receiver, I think that that has hurt them in the playoffs. So I am curious to see how the quantity over quality is going to play out this year. Um, and if any quarterback can make it work, it's Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of the quarterbacks who can make a average receiver a a, a good receiver below average to average and you know Rome, i know there's been a lot of romeo dubs uh hype i'm not really buying it right now he's mm-hmm. doing it in the preseason against you know fourth stringers and third stringers but i am i am excited for this packers team and like you said this this could be the best defense mm-hmm. in the league when it's all said and done yeah no i know i i, I agree with the rodgers point and it's like i saw rodgers you know, tear up the Lions in Lambeau in like a week 17 uh, when I was a kid, throwing to James Jones wearing a full-on sweatshirt in in like in, in the stadium, right? So like he he can really pull it off with with these types of receivers. Um, the 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 next division I'll take, which is now our, our seventh division, is the NFC South. So Buccaneers, you know, Super Bowl contenders. Uh, you know, we know what they are. I was feeling more confident about them at the beginning of the offseason than I am now. You know, I think a lot of weird stuff is happening there uh, between Arians, you know, just retiring. Um, and, you know, to, to win a Super Bowl, you have to be a pretty good culture builder on top of, you know, what he added as a play caller. So you know, I think that that's really interesting. Uh, their interior offensive line getting beat up, which we know, like we've seen the one, you know, Achilles heel for Brady during his career is when you can get pressure up the middle and pressure with four. So that that worries me about the Bucks a little bit. And then Brady's hiatus where, you know, he might have been on the mass Singer, might have gotten plastic surgery, might have been spending family time. We don't know. Just feels weird that, you know, I feel like he would have never done this when he was with the Patriots or even his first season with the Bucks. He would have never done this. It just feels a little weird. It feels like he's fully not there this year. Um, so I that that's like a couple worries, but they're still just an insane team. And I think, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin when he gets back from injury uh, and Russell Gage and. They're just all going to, you know, ball out for them. Uh, the Saints, you know, I, I'm i not super high on because I think Sean Payton was such a good head coach that losing him is going to be, you know, pretty tough for them to recover. But 
you know, Jameis going from throwing to three backup receivers last year to a receiver core of Michael Thomas, uh, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry is going to be huge for him. And, you know, I think they're going to limit his usage. And, like, that's kind of where he can succeed. And, you know, you get he gets Alvin Kamara for the full season, it's looking like right now, too, to also throw to. So that could be that could be pretty cool. And we, we know what the Saints defense is going to be. Um, Panthers, you know, a lot of people, our friend Judah, are, like, kind of in on them now that they've had Baker. But I think what made Baker so good in 2020 was having the best offensive line in the league and being able to run all those play action concepts where he didn't have to worry about at all anyone breaking off yeah. of their blocks and and was really able to take his time there. And I just don't think he's going to have that this year. Like the Panthers offensive line will be better than it was last year, but it's still not a good offensive line. Uh, and then the only note I have for the Falcons is just tank for Bryce Young. Yeah. Just, just add him to, you know, Calvin Ridley, uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts and have, you know, one of the best quarterback receiver trios in the league. You can figure out the rest of the stuff later. Just just make sure you, you tank this year and get Bryce Young. Yeah, I, I have pretty much the same notes as you. Bucks were the, one of the best, if not the best offense in the NFL last year. But I think they're going to have some regression. Losing three interior offensive linemen, like you said, to injury, retirement, free agency, that's pretty big. And um, I, I do worry about Brady not having Gronk this year. I know it's like Gronk isn't the same tight end he was in the mid-2010s. But like Gronk was always the safety blanket for for Brady, especially in the big like primetime games. And um, w- without Godwin, I mean, he's kind of and he's kind of throwing to Mike Evans only. Like Gage is okay. I- I'm not sure if he's worth a ten million dollar contract, but he's gonna fit into Godwin's role until Godwin comes back. And then I mean, Julio is just like a whole whole like it, it's the box versus the boat like you don't really know what Julio's going to give you yeah um he's never been able to stay healthy tampa is going to be insane to like practice in and stuff like he's had experience in in atlanta but atlanta's a dome and like mm-hmm. tampa bay is an outside stadium so like cramping he's always always had soft tissue is- issues i don't see any reason why that won't continue with with tampa so a little bit worried there i think their defense will be fine i'm i'm really in on the saints this year not because of like Flamus or any of that like hype based stuff. Like I think they'll have a really good offense. They legit were throwing to replacement level receivers last mm-hmm. year. And now they have three legit guys. And when you invest like that type of uh, resource into the position, I think you'll see some good returns. Um, we were talking the other day of, you know, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are the, the thunder lightning combo is the greatest running back duo I think I've ever watched mm-hmm. in 2017. And now that it's five years later, they're probably going to be worse, but it's still a very fun unit. Um, I think the Panthers, um, because I don't really have much notes about the Falcons, the Panthers, um, I don't really see it. Baker yeah. at his best is going to be like a league average quarterback. That's what like, if you combine all his production and look at the median or the mean, he's a league average quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's going into fifth year. So he's going to have a new coordinator with Ben McAdoo, who is nothing special. In fact, like he, with the Giants, he was really bad. Yeah. Baker joined halfway through the, the off season. So he's only had like three months in the system to like pick it up and learn it. Right. Like, I think that matters. Like people should take that into account of like, why, like, why wouldn't teams trade for Jimmy G? Like he's going to have a month or two to learn a completely new system. And that's like pretty tough. And he has to gain chemistry with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Robbie's a pretty outspoken guy on social media. So like, you know, it's it's pretty. There's a lot of things that I think could work for the Panthers. They have a very good roster, a lot of 
of really good skill pieces on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But you're kind of betting on Baker, you're betting on Matt Rule, and I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I there were uh, the sixth best division for me, so kind of where you took them. And uh, yeah, nothing on the Falcons. They need to go get a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so final division for me, AFC South. That was my last place. And I really don't have many notes. I think I think the Colts are the only team from this division that makes that are gonna make the playoffs. I'm really heavy on the Colts this year, and I'm really heavy on <clears throat> baiting the Titans. So the Colts last year, I would say like probably like a top 10 team through like various power ranks towards the end of the year, and then Carson Wentz just blows up in Jacksonville. Um, I think Matt Ryan will be a big upgrade, should open up the offense a little bit. Uh, offense line will be good. Jake, Jonathan Taylor will be good. And Michael Pittman is, I think, a, a rising star in the NFL. Um, the Titans, our friend Judah, was. we were talking about this. AJ Brown accounted for 90% of Ryan Tannehill's passing EPA last year. So you're telling me they're going to replace 90% of their passing EPA with Traylon Burks, who is a third stringer right now, apparently. Mm-hmm. And Robert Woods is coming off a 20 ACL. And that's what you're expecting me to like buy into. So I'm fading the Titans completely this year. They just lost Harold Landry the other day to a 20 ACL, who's a better version of Bud Dupree, younger, less wear and tear. But now they have Bud Dupree and some dude named Oli as their opposite edge player. I think Jeffrey Simmons is great. Kevin Byard is great. But I think their defense overachieved last year. And again, with the Titans, you're kind of betting on Mike Grable, similar to how you're betting on Bill Belichick with the Patriots. And I think the Titans have a really bad roster and mm-hmm. just won't make the playoffs. So there's not a ton of upside with any wins. The, the Jaguars, for as much hype as they're getting, their win total is six, still six and a half. So they're probably going to end up with seven or eight wins. So this is definitely the worst division in football. And the Texans are just, you know, the Texans. So yeah. Don't really have much notes there. How crazy would it be if I said that I like the Jaguars to have more wins than the Titans this year? I would take that bet. Really? I think, what would the odds be? The odds would be like, probably plus 300 or something or or worse I, no i think that would be better for, for, i think i think it would be like i think it'd be plus 200 interesting yeah i would take that bet though yeah i think it's definitely in the range of outcomes for the Jags. Mm-hmm. because like when you look at the jaguars like their defensive line could be really good right like you know mm-hmm. just adding trayvon walker there and you know you can go back and forth about whether he was supposed to be taken that high he's he's just a very good player and we've never really seen someone that athletically gifted play edge and like he's like there's other guys there you know that can that can help him um and so i i think their defensive line uh can can like really succeed there you know you have doug peterson who's just going to be light years better than urban meyer was trevor lawrence is you know he's trevor lawrence is gonna miss throws he's, he's still a second year quarterback in like a little bit of a weird situation but you really just have to throw out last year with him and just kind of have your pre-draft priors about him. So, you know, I think and he'll be good. And, and just like everything, like, I think it was, you know, important that based on like Kylan, who like the Jaguars cut was like the people that, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence was throwing to last year. So like that, like shows like how, how upgraded their, their receiver room is. But yeah, no, I, I feel the same way about the AFC South to you. I don't love the Colts. Like, I think that their rushing offense is going to regress this year. That's fair. And like, that was kind of like the engine last year but matt ryan is is just a, a, like a pretty good a, a quarterback right now he's a kirk uh so you know i 
I I just see them winning the division, but not really yeah. doing much in the playoffs. But you know, that's why the AFC South was was the last division taken. Yeah. No. I so when we were talking to Eric about this, he's he was telling us like there's a lot of sharp people on the Colts this year. I agree with them that they should win the division. I don't see any way that they're going to go far in the mm-hmm. playoffs. This is a regular season team yeah, yeah. that will beat up on you in the trenches. That will have a better, you know, more stable quarterback um at the helm this year. But they don't have the upside. They don't have it. You know, after Pittman, it's a lot of unknowns at, at the receiver mm-hmm. position. They're not going to go far in the playoffs, I don't think. But this is a team I'm I'm willing to bet on to finish first in the in this division. And you know, Frank Reich and is one of the the smartest head coaches out there. I think we both had him in our top ten in our head coaching ranking. So yeah, I'm not I'm betting on the Colts short term, long term, like the long shot when the AFC when like, when the Super Bowl best. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not even touching. Yeah, no, definitely definitely I'm with you there. And yeah, no, I think I think it's interesting. Like it's when when a team tries to upgrade the parts that they struggled in last year without like adding strength to what was their strength like you know when you have something like the best rushing offense in the league there's a very low probability mm-hmm. that it'll be the best rushing offense in the league the next year and like you know you know they wanted to upgrade their passing offense like i i understand that they wanted to get into more concepts that they weren't able to do with once but it's it's you know uh, something that a lot of people fall into is oh you're adding you're going from carson once to matt ryan and he has the best rushing offense to lean on which is probably not going to be the case this year so you know i think i think it's it's just it's going to be interesting to see like what the colts do exactly with their offense because you know like our friend steven ruiz has explained like there just wasn't concepts that uh once was able to run last year that they are now going to be able to run with matt ryan and he, and he hasn't had this good of a supporting cast in a while but there's still a lot of questions i think that yeah. that i have about them as well yeah okay so that was our uh that was our draft. To recap, I took the AFC West first. Tage went NFC West, AFC North, two and three. I went AFC East and NFC East, four and five. And Tage followed up with uh, NFC North and then a- NFC South. And I finished up with AFC South. So um, let's do our kind of like playoff predictions. We're not going to, I think, you know, let's just list the conference championships and the Super Bowl. So who are your conference championship participants this year? Mm-hmm. So AFC championship game, I have Bills Ravens. Um, and this is this is tough. I, I knew I wanted the Bills in there for yeah. sure for sure. Uh it could have literally been anyone, Ravens, Chiefs, Chargers, uh, one of those three teams. But you know, I just decided on the Ravens because I'm excited about them and and I trust Lamar. How about you? I have the Bills. I, it's gonna seem like a homer pick, but I have the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I, I just think with the the passing offense upside and and their ability to not only affect the passer, but have the guys on the on the back end to kind of stop the pass. I think like this is finally the year everything comes together for the Chargers. But if that seems like every year, so I might be completely wrong. <laughs> but again, there's a reason that you know the Chargers have moved from like plus four hundred to plus or plus four twenty five to plus two twenty to win the division. There's a reason they're the sixth best team to our sixth best. They have the sixth best odds to win the Super Bowl. Um. I think once they make the playoffs, uh, you know, Justin Herbert's going to kind of take over. And, and he has shown in his career that he steps up when the lights are the brightest. And mm-hmm. in, in, his, in the primetime games, he averages about like a point two something EPA per play. And he's uh, he's always stepped it up when he's needed to. So I it, again, it seems like a homer pick, but I don't have them to make the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, um, NFC, I have the 49ers and the Packers. I, I don't know. I 
I'm like kind of in with the 49ers this year. I think their offense is going to be really fun. And once they make the playoffs, um, you know, it's it's pretty tough to stop Shanahan's offense when everything is clicking. So if they if they make the playoffs, that probably means Lance was like at least a league average quarterback. Mm-hmm. Or if they make the playoffs, it's like the one seed that probably means he was elite and he had some type of like I'm not saying Mahomes 2018 year, but something in that similar vein where it's like something that no one knew how to stop. So I think if they make the playoffs, I'll make it pretty far. Then I have the Packers uh, as their opponent. Um, I think I, I think the going with quantity over quality on the offensive side of the ball, especially a receiver, is going to help. And again, I think their defense won't. It hasn't. Really, it's never really been a liability except 2019 where they couldn't stop the run. Mm-hmm. But I think in cases where Aaron Rodgers struggles in the playoffs, I think their defense will be able to hold up a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see both of those happening. I think it's just tough for me to get behind the 49ers because they're not like a very there's there's like a pr- bigger chance they miss the playoffs than the other nfc contenders um for for nfc championship game i have buccaneers eagles and so you know bucks i you know feel feel just pretty good about it. i just think it's going to be very hard to stop their offense and like we've seen what their defense is capable of the eagles is like my like risky pick <laughs> um just like everything that they've done, you know, this offseason that we've talked about in detail just makes me really excited about them. I don't think Hertz has to be an elite quarterback for them to make the conference championship game. I think he just needs to go in structure because everything else is set up so well there. And then, you know, when we get to the Super Bowl, I do have the Bills beating the Buccaneers, which I think might be like the most common or like, sorry, the most like uh, probable thing of happening according to uh, the betting markets. But it's it's a basic pick, but it's just like what I feel in yeah. my gut and like what the data shows is is like the most likely um, occurrence. Yeah, I, I have the Bills versus Packers. So again, I think we and I have the Bills beating the Packers. So I think this is finally the year Aaron Rodgers makes it back. Um, and, um, you know, Matt LaFleur kind of figures out the playoffs a little bit better. Not that he's like struggled. I think it's, it's a culmination of everything. But uh, Bills, Super Bowl favorites for a reason. And I think it's it's kind of sucks for Josh Allen that he's never made it to the big to the big game because you know you have people saying that like it's not there's not a ton of playoff success there he's only won like three games and in, in three playoff appearances um but I think this is finally finally the year everything comes together for the Bills and you know they'll, they'll get Trey Davis White back before the playoffs and hopefully he's healthy and and the Bills will be a formidable opponent for anyone to face mm-hmm. so we both have the Bills winning the Super Bowl that's probably not not the greatest thing uh but <laughs> um yeah that, that, so those were our playoff predictions um you want to you want to start off the award i think we can just like kind of rattle off without giving too much of a spiel about it okay yeah that sounds good uh mvp uh, you know you had your homer pick here's my homer pick i'll take matthew stafford <laughs> okay <laughs> to whatever you be this year okay i got i have patrick Mahomes winning okay I'm, i like that I've, i'm buying the narrative yeah i like that i, I definitely see that that narrative happening offensive player of the year justin jefferson gonna be used in so many ways this year and he's him yeah, I have Stephon Diggs. I, I think uh, Buffalo's going to be obviously passing the ball a ton. And to be able to keep up with a lot of the elite teams they are going to play, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And Diggs is one of the best at getting those balls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I like that a lot. Uh, defensive player of the year is a pick I gave out when it was 50 to 1. Yep. Now it's gone down to 20 to 1. It's Rashawn Gary to win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, 90.3 PFF pass rushing grade last year going to be a part of what could be the best defense in the NFL. I could, you know, I could see him just eating people alive this year on, on the defensive line. Yeah. And as our Eric, as our friend Eric Eager pointed out in one article, 
Uh, defensive player of the year is usually won by a player who produced an N in year N minus one. Mm -hmm. So Gary, 90.3 PFF grade, great defense. I have Micah Parsons. Uh, I mean, he was probably a candidate for Depoy last year. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think the way they're going to use him, I personally saw him at Chargers camp when the Cowboys visited Costa Mesa. Dude's a monster. So I have no worries about putting my money on Micah Parsons, who I think could rack up 100 tackles and like 12 plus mm -hmm. sacks. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and the uh, offensive rookie of the year, James Cooks or James Cook. So I want to be a part of the Bills offense, yeah. you know, somewhat. I think, you know, most explosive rusher in the draft last year that has the highest correlation with NFL success. I think he's going to be used a lot on checkdowns. He's going to get a lot of opportunities in the run game once the Bills see, you know, his talent and how explosive of a rusher he is. And, you know, and, and again, the Bills are going to have a lot of eyes on them this year. He's going to be in a lot of primetime games. So he has a lot of opportunity to shine. Yeah, I have uh, Drake London. Mm. So I don't think there's going to be much of a target problem in, in Atlanta. It's him and Kyle Pitts. So ton of targets, a lot of volume. Um, I think he has a lot of uh, chances to put up numbers. You know, people around the league, uh, analytics and film will tell you that he was most likely the, the number one receiver on a lot of teams boards. Again, mm -hmm. analytics and film. So. Uh, I would put my money with Drake, Drake London. I like that. Yeah, that's a really good one. Defensive rookie of the year, I'll take the number one pick, Trayvon Walker. Okay. Going to be a part of a stud, okay. you know, defensive line in Jacksonville. Uh, he has, you know, the the name recognition from being the number one overall pick. And I just think he's so athletic. It's going to be hard for him, you know, to, to not do well. Uh, and especially initially, like that should translate pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I have Quay Walker, so I wanted to have something for the Packers defense, just like mm -hmm. you with the Bills offense. Um, I unfortunately was not part of the uh, the Quakers, as Eric likes to say, <laughs> or I was not shown the Quay early enough. But he's going to be on a stud defense. He's going to be playing behind a pretty good defensive line, which you know he should. And the Packers are most likely going to be playing from ahead, so um, I think a lot of coverage opportunities and. And again, the the run stop opportunities and tackles where which is needed for rookie of the year is going to be important. So I think he'll get a lot of those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and then okay, two more. So comeback player of the year, Jameis Winston. Again, wide yeah. receiver, huge upgrade. Uh, funniest guy in the league. He's going to say something funny in press conferences that will be tweeted out by like part of my take or something, and and will really bump up the comeback player of the year narrative. Yeah, I, I've, I actually have Jameis as well. So, okay, there you uh, go. Yeah. yeah, I'm with the I'm on the full uh, Jameis steam train this year. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, uh, coach of the year I have Nick Sirianni. I think you know when the Eagles are sitting, you know, they're at twelve and or yeah, twelve and five or something at the end of the season. People will be like, wow, like this was a great a great coaching job by him, especially like since we didn't think Hertz was that good. Like he he developed him. He got the Eagles to win the division, like all that stuff. Yeah. I, I actually had Dennis Allen. I don't know Ooh. why, but or I, I like the bet or I, and I like the pick. I'm going to change it right now. I'm going to go Matt Rule. Oh. No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I want to I want to join you on the Sirianni train. So I'm going to change mine to Sirianni um, because I, I not I agree with your reasoning, first yeah. of all. Plus, like, I think Jalen Hurts, like as a quarterback, he's not top 10. So, like, there won't be the narrative that the team was carried by mm -hmm. a, an elite quarterback. And I think that will help Sirianni's case a little bit. Yeah. That's exactly why like Matt LaFleur didn't win it last year, even though he probably should have Yeah, was like, people don't know how to divvy up the the credit that they give Rogers yeah. and LaFleur, but like, it'll be pretty easy for a lot of people to divvy up the credit for the Eagles offense being there and just give it to, 
Sirianni, which which I think is like why I would pick him out of any coach to win coach of the year if I had to pick. Yeah. Okay, so those were our awards. We'll uh, transition to our bets for week one in coming up. Now that we've finished our division draft, going over our awards and some of our playoff predictions, we're going to be looking ahead to week one as you know, this episode will come out the day before Bill's Rams kicks us up for the 2022 season. So we're going to be doing some bets, but first we have to do the unhinged tweet of the week. So kind of relevant news this week, Russell Wilson got his extension from the Broncos. Uh, you know, they basically had to give it to him. Uh, after trading for him as as Russell Wilson's camp had all the leverage in the situation. So this unhinged tweet is from our friend Warren Sharp. <laughs> um, and so he tweeted, through week five last year, Russell Wilson ranked number one in EPA per attempt, number one in yards per attempt, number one in adjusted net yards per attempt, number one in completion percentage, number one in passer rating. On early downs, quarters one through three, he injured his finger in week five versus the Rams and missed a month. So Warren is notorious for small sample sizes, you know, taking data to fit his narrative, but this one's even bad for him. This was, you know, four or five weeks of data that he was using and he only used on early downs quarters one through three. If you use that same weeks and include third down and the fourth quarter, Russell Wilson goes down to the 18th best quarterback <laughs> in the league in EPA per play. So he found the perfect example to fit why he thought the, you know, the extension was good for the Broncos and getting Russell Wilson. When you actually look at the whole sample size, he was about an average quarterback uh, last year uh, in, in those weeks. Yeah. And the other part is like, you look at the type, like you specifically said EPA per attempt, yards per attempt, excluding sacks. Mm -hmm. When you use EPA per dropback, it's going to drop like, it's going to drop even further than number one. Like it'll probably be like top eight or something. If you just, if you use his framework, but like, that's the problem. Like you can't just like exclude sacks for guys like Russell Wilson or mm -hmm. our friend Joe, Joe Burrow. Like <laughs> it's important to like, cause sacks are a big uh, negative play for offenses. You you lose about a point at, on average um, on sacks. So, you know, again, fitting the narrative, uh, not, wouldn't expect anything less from our guy Warren. So yeah, really for our big season preview, that's um, that's the best unhinged tweet yeah. uh, we could have done. <laughs> and our, you know, our season preview did go a little long. Like this episode would be pretty long, but it's nothing like writing a 500-page book yeah. that you send to Adam Schefter and other people in the industry that for free, so that they can tweet out you know yeah. a promotion of your book, yeah. or whatever. So you know, it's it's classic Warren. But uh, yeah, that's that's the unhinged tweet. The last one of the off season. I'm sure we'll have a lot of great unhinged tweets yeah. to talk about during the season. Yeah. So we'll transition to our betting segment now. So the way we're going to structure during the year, we'll have uh, our favorite bet, which is are going to be our bet of the week. That'll be last. We'll give out some bets that we like. Um, but in general, our bet of the week are going to be like our 1.5 unit or two unit plays. Um, so we'll tend to say go heavier on that than some of our other plays. And uh, as a recap, last week, Tage gave out Rams team total at the time of recording, over 24 and a half. It's now 25 and a half. So the lines moved while we, like, after we recorded and before we published. So I don't know if they're listening or, like, they've, like, tapped our Zoom <laughs> Zoom call or something. But, um, yeah, so we would still take it, I think, at 25 and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, 25 and 26 aren't, like, valuable numbers in betting. So I'm not too worried about that. But let's start off with bets we like. So my first bet that I like, Bucks minus one and a half. Um, I got this on minus one. 
right as the Tyron News Smith dropped. So I was able to snatch up a decent amount of closing line value, even though going between plus three and minus three doesn't really matter. But the way I look at it is simple. I think the Bucks are just overall the better team. Uh, Tom Brady, while we may question his um, his dedication towards the Bucks this year, I think uh, it's going to be tough for the Cowboys defense to slow down uh, Mike Evans, Julio, and Russell Gage. Like I think we can agree a healthy Julio is pretty dangerous. Once mm-hmm. we get into the dog days of December, it's going to be a little bit more uh, questionable. But, um, you know, Bucks on prime time, I think Brady's going to come out and and kind of light this uh, Cowboys defense up. We, we're all worrying, and we've talked about this on this episode, we're worrying about the interior of the Bucks, but their strength is their tackles, and the strength of the Cowboys' defensive line is their edge players, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. kind of neutralized. Yeah. And the Cowboys' interior defensive line is terrible. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about the Cowboys' pressure, and I think um, with how much zone the, the Cowboys play, Brady's going to tear that apart. He's just going to take the checkdowns, or he'll take the, the short throws to um, Russell Gage or like Cameron Brate or whoever is going to be their third down running back. So I'm on the Bucks. I know PFF Green Line, a model we trust, likes them as well. Um, and I think the Bucks defense is, has enough corners to kind of shut down the Cowboys pass the game. And I don't see any way that Cowboys are running on Vita Vea mm-hmm. and Levante David and De- uh, Devin White. Yeah, no, I, I like that one a lot. And I I would definitely be on that side as well in that game. I I just like trust everything that the Bucks have and the Cowboys offseason was rough. And I think they might be a little shell shocked, you know, going into that game. Um, I, yeah, bet I I like is you know I I feel bad. I'm I'm actually going to be at this game, uh, <laughs> rooting for the Lions. Um, but if I had to pick a side in this game, it would be Eagles minus four because the Eagles are just such a complete roster right now. Um, you know, all the offseason additions that we talked about in this episode is just makes them so strong. I think the Lions defensive line is going to have a tough time getting anything against the Eagles offensive line. I don't know how anyone's going to cover A.J. Brown. And, you know, I also think the Eagles defense is fine enough to kind of slow down the, the Lions offense and, you know, win that game by more than four. PFF Green Line uh, has it as, you know, 4.7 for the Eagles. So, you know, kind of almost a point there in value that that you can get on on that spread yeah and look if this it's already been bet down from plus five or plus four and a half to plus four if this hits minus three like that might be my biggest play of the weekend Mm -hmm. i think but i don't think that's gonna happen um the way i see this game the eagles just destroyed the lines in the trenches last year and what did the lines do to add to the trenches they re-signed charles harris charles harris who's what like a Maybe a bump. rotational rotational pass rusher, pass yeah. rusher. Aiden Hutchinson's great, but he's he's a rookie. It's gonna yeah, be his first game, rookie. so mm-hmm. his impact's probably not gonna be that big. I'm pretty sure the second round pick, Josh Pascal, is already on injured reserve. Yes, he right. Is. Mm-hmm. Your linebackers, Alex Anzalone, bad. Um <laughs> Malcolm Rodriguez. Malcolm Rodriguez, rookie, right? Six round rookie will yeah. be start probably starting for them. Yeah. So <laughs> the Eagles again are gonna dominate on the office o- offensive trenches. Mm-hmm. And on defense, the strength of your team is the offensive line. And the Eagles might have one of the best defensive fronts with Jordan Davis, uh Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, uh, Brandon Graham, Josh uh Sweat, and um Derek Barnett. They have yeah. enough guys to just rotate. Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, Nicobe Dean as linebackers. So I think the Eagles have the advantage actually on mm-hmm. in the trenches on both sides of the ball. So yeah, I don't really see 
a, a world where it's it, the lines really cover this. I like the Eagles, right? And I, I like the minus four, just like you. Yeah, yeah, no, those those are all good points. Like, I think the Lions offense is going to be above average when Jamison Williams starts playing for them. Yeah. But like not having, you know, the guy who's going to take the top off defenses and like probably be your wide receiver one because of his talent level at some point uh, to start that, you know, to start that game. And for the first couple of weeks, it's going to be a little rough. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm high on the Lions like future as like the the way the organization is moving just the, specifically this game the matchups yeah. just doesn't work out for me to trust them yeah so why don't you give your our other pick before mm-hmm. we head into our better league? yeah so again this is just like trusting belichick uh i think you know patriots plus 140 i just like really surprised me i would have thought the patriots would have been favored in that game because better quarterback better head coach that you know or well like we don't know what mike McDaniel is but he's probably not gonna be as good as belichick yeah. um and just like I think like a full offseason to prepare, you know, for this game, divisional matchup. Dolphins had a lot of hype about them. Like I think the way that the Patriots defense comes out is gonna put Tua in a cage and he's not gonna be able to perform well. And uh and like it's a narrative game. Like yeah, like is. we talked about, like, you know, Tua's undefeated against the Patriots, three and oh. Um, so people might bet based on that, like the trend bet, but I would take the other side of that and take Patriots plus one forty to win. Yeah, if we if we look at green line for this game also, there's value on both Patriots plus three and um the money line. I also want to offer up, like I'm not gonna include this in our tracking. I'll I'll offer up um a separate bet if you're interested. So like if if I think if the Patriots win this game, it's gonna be by winning and their defense. So I would take the Patriots and under parlayed, but I agree, just the Patriots money line is fine enough because I don't have a ton of faith in this Patriots offense. I have a ton of faith in Belichick and his defense. So I think if they win this game, it's going to be through defense. It'll be like a 17-14 type game or mm-hmm. or 13-10 where both teams just struggle to move the ball. Or, and the, the Miami's defense isn't that great, but it's the Patriots offense that's bad. And the Patriots defense is going to be good if you know based on our, what we think about Belichick. So um, I like the plus 140. If you want to get some more juice to it, add to some – uh, you know, make it play probably like plus two fifty or something in that range. I'll take Patriots money line and the under. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Forty. Uh, it's forty-seven. So, um, like that bet. But let's go to our bet of the week, which is it's actually a two-team money line parlay. I I normally don't advocate for parlays because you know it's it's minus CV in the long run. But I think just the value on this is too hard to pass up, and it's the Chiefs money line versus the Cardinals and Broncos money line versus the Seahawks. So, look, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are five and zero in Week One. Mm-hmm. They're probably Patrick Mahomes is the greatest Week One quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> Andy Reid is probably the greatest play caller in in September. Out, you know, on par, better than Sean McVay. Um, the Cardinals don't have DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals have no insight into what the Chiefs are going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to be a completely new offense. Even what we saw in the preseason, uh, Timo Riske has shown that, like, good offenses or, like, smart offenses don't show anything in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs could just be throwing out all this 12 personnel or 21 personnel to run 11 or, like, 10 personnel. Yeah. Like, we really don't know what the Chiefs mm-hmm. are going to do. So I think they're going to beat up on the Cardinals a little bit. I've already bet them minus three, now minus four and a half. So got some really good cleave there or closing line value. Um, and then Broncos, um, that game has moved from minus four to minus six and a half. So obviously a lot of people like the Broncos. So instead of taking a lot of, uh, you know, taking them with the points, we can just throw them in a little parlay. I, if, 
Russell Wilson loses to Seattle, I'll just laugh. And I'll just be like, okay, I'll take the L on this bet here. Um, but and also like as a Chargers fan, I'd I'd be happy if the if the Broncos lose uh against the Seahawks, but I don't I really don't see that happening. I think he'll come out and and just put his foot in the ground and uh kind of just like dominate Seattle. And even if they just win by three, we're just taking their money line. So that's all we need. So again, this is our bet of the week. Chiefs money line uh parlayed with Broncos money line. I believe that'll come out to be plus one oh five, plus one ten, depending on your book. So make sure you shop around and get the best price there, as that's pretty important. But um, since it is a parlay, we'll just advocate for it to be like 1.5 units instead of like a two unit play, mm-hmm. because obviously there is a little bit more inherent risk with with this bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's smart to do. And yeah, you know, I think that like a narrative that might come up is like, oh, the Seahawks defense will know Russell Wilson, like they'll be able to do that. So, you know, I looked at like quarterback revenge games, like when quarterbacks started again in a game against the team that they were playing for the year before, and the defense doesn't have any inherent uh, advantage you know the the quarterback like ryan fitzpatrick played against the titans uh in 2014 after playing for them the year before and threw for 370 yards and six touchdowns right so like people can tear them up um there's no really like very very bad performances that happen and yeah you just have to trust russell wilson versus geno smith in that game and then everything you said about the chiefs you know week one is like is is special like as as like a trend like there's no other week in the nfl where you can actually use trend betting to like help yourself. But like teams, there are certain teams and coaches that just prepare well for week one. And the chiefs are, you know, the best example of that. So I I really like those two paired together. Um, And I I think, you know, when you can get plus money on two teams, we feel pretty confident about winning their week one game. It's, it's, you have to take something like that. Yeah, I agree. So just to quickly recap for our listeners, bucks minus one and a half um, Eagles minus four Patriots plus 140 on the money line those are bets we like we play them a little bit smaller and then our bet of the week is a chiefs money line broncos money line parlay so those are all our bets for week one you know we hope you guys enjoy your week one have a winning week make some money with us hopefully and uh, make some money in general should be a very fun week and something we've been looking forward to since february yeah yeah i know it's, it's i'm so glad it's finally here it was a long off season you know there are times in june july where i didn't know if i was going to make it but we we made it to the fall. Uh, very excited for the Thursday night game, and very excited to you know have a different guest on each week that we know through school and like give them that exposure. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll be back next Wednesday with our friend Joey DeCreasy to talk about Week One games and preview Week Two. Uh, so until then, on um, take the points. <laughs> <laughs>